Can you hear me? I can hear you now. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Wow. Okay, perfect. Nothing like a whole bunch of last minute technical problems. I know. My husband's like the tech savvy person. So I'm like, all right, I think I can handle this. That's my job too. Unfortunately, sometimes I don't have the answers. So I've known the blame. I really apologize because I had really hoped to meet you guys, but my my trip to California got shrunk down to about 48 hours. Oh my gosh. Two days I was teaching the workshop and uh, we missed our flight, our connecting flight coming out. So the workshop almost didn't happen. I I literally started the workshop without uh, half of my clothes, half of my artist materials. I had no brushes or anything. Oh no. I, uh, my materials went in another suitcase. They they went to the right destination, but I had to take another destination. And oh man, what a! Do you have to buy um, all new supplies for your workshop. You know, the funny thing is, is I I spent so much of my art career just kind of doing what was necessary sometimes to survive. So I'm not pretentious about what I do. So I I could you know I could go to Walmart and get brushes and still produce what I need to you know never been kind of like stuck and and had to have everything perfect because life's just not perfect (laughs) yeah so welcome back to the art world podcast I miss art world Catherine and I'm super excited because I have a special guest with me Eric our music is interviewing with me through technology welcome Eric Hello, hello. Eric is a classical figurative artist and in 2015 was actually recognized by the Art Renewal Center as a associate living master. Mm-hmm. And you're amazing. I'm just going to say that much. right off the bat. Um, what's your Instagram if someone wants to look you up? It's my full name. It's uh, E-R-I-C-A-R-M-U-S-I-K. So it's just my full name, Eric Music. Before we get into it. I do want to say to most of my listeners, you are very different than what I do. Like I'm a conceptual artist. I do performance work, very different than what you do, which is classical figurative painting. And for those people who have listened to the podcast before will know that I'm very critical of classical painting. But that being said, I grew up as a classical painter and it wasn't until I was in college that I kind of switched up. And so let's get into your history and then we can talk about your artwork. So take us all the way back to the beginning in Pennsylvania. (laughs) Um, My beginnings, I guess you could say, um, from an early, early childhood, I was always drawing. I was... Probably my earliest experiences with drawing was just about taking every book in my house. My, my mom would always buy lots of books on, you know, uh, airplanes and sharks and dinosaurs and anything else. And I seemed to always gravitate to all these books because they always had a first page and a last page that were blank. And I always draw on everything. I thought, well, that's just free, like a sketch pad. So you could just draw on all of them. So literally I had a whole bookshelf of just you know, books that were covered in drawings. And, you know, I'd draw just anything any any young boy would have drawn, you know, dinosaurs and stuff and spaceships. And um, But I just kind of 
you know, continued that on through uh, grade school and stuff and started winning art competitions, even in kindergarten. Um, but no real training. I, I never had any training all the way through high school or anything else. Um, it wasn't until I got the chance to go to college um, that I actually started receiving some kind of background and some kind of uh, training and, you know, additionally, like, like starting out with charcoal work and then eventually moving on to painting. Um, as a kid, I was like, well, what do I need to go to school for? I know how to draw. And <laughs> I, I didn't know anything, you know, I really, I mean, still, I'm still learning it at 46. Um, but uh, it was um, a good opportunity once I got into school to actually formalize that and to art, start learning art history and things like that, which I had no access to growing up. I mean, I had history I was into, but no real understanding of, you know, those people that stood there before me in this uh, profession. Uh, so that was really great. And, and college was fantastic uh, at Penn State. Um, wasn't necessarily at all um, centered on classical art. Actually was kind of told by a couple of my professors, I really respected that uh, if I decided to pursue this kind of art, uh, that I'd never have a career, which, you know, it was kind of hit pretty hard, especially after you dump 40 grand on a, <laughs> on a college education and your professor tells you that. It's like, fantastic, thanks. But, um, but, you know, the kind of last laugh to it is, yeah, I have made a profession of it for the last 25 years. And I, my art is now valued at least where his art was when I was in school. So, um, and I've become a little more recognized for, for that style of art that um, I've decided to pursue it, uh, you know, throughout my career. Um, you know, stylistically, I, I would say that it's something I really didn't realize until I was maybe even out of college was that, you know, I did have some inspiration, even though I grew up in the coal mining region of Northeast Pennsylvania, um, very, very post-industrial kind of landscapes everywhere. I mean, there's just huge mountains of coal, uh, which is like, you know, waste coal kind of, you know, uh, stuff that they would have thrown away. They wouldn't have had in the industry. Uh, so you see these big black mountains with all these old structures of mining and stuff there. They were abandoned, you know, long before I was even, you know, a kid. Um, but, uh, it was, you know, that access wasn't there, but, um, I grew up Roman Catholic, so I went to church and it was a very, you know, it wasn't a very rich area at all, but the area was predominantly Slavic. So a lot of those people came from, you know, Poland and Lithuania and Slovakia and all these other countries, but the churches were beautiful. The homes were just built to just house these miners and stuff. They were nothing special in a lot of the areas. Um, but the churches were beautiful. Like you'd walk in there and it was like an art gallery, you know? And so as a kid, every Sunday I'm getting this inspiration all over me and, you know, mass is going on. And I'm just looking at the ceilings, the walls, like everything just brilliantly covered and, and really old traditional dramatic kind of art. So I didn't realize the impact of that until in college, I got the chance to live in Italy for a while and study, uh, you know, the old masters and, and to go around and, and uh, see all those things. So I, I think something kind of connected there. I was like, wow, there is something I'm really drawn to. And it was that figurative, that presence of everything, a really big, dramatic, larger than life kind of thing, whether it was mythological art, you know, historical or, or religious art. Um, I was really, really impacted by that. And so that became my, my understanding, I think, moving into this profession. It was maybe a few years into being a professional that I really started understanding what I wanted to paint, 
kind of art school, they didn't really understand me. So I think I started connecting a few years after and, you know, 25 years later, there, here I am. And that was one of my questions for you. Um, Cause when I went into college for my uh, BFA, I was a traditional painter, um, portraiture. And I got that kind of backlash from my professors. Like, that's great. I'm glad you're technically able to paint. Yeah. But what are you going to say? Like, what's the message behind your artwork? And so one of my questions for you was, I, I know that you have your BFA, but you don't have your master's of art. Is that something that you've thought about? Like, why get a master's of art when you're just going to be hit with that same kind of criticism like oh that's not what the art world is all about right now yeah I, I kind of I, I did entertain it for a little while and I actually did apply even outside of school um, in my first year but um, I kind of when I, when I left school and I started diving deeper and understanding myself and understanding who I was um, I think that I started really connecting with my purpose and I think that's the most the, the, the strongest and most dangerous thing you could have is a purpose, you know, that you truly, not an ideology that you adopt, but a real purpose. Understand yourself and you start to go, okay, if I'm real honest, can I, can I be that person? Can I be that person out in public? And, uh, and yeah, that, that's who I am. I, I don't filter my life. I mean, I've always just given who I am and I started doing the things that they said I couldn't and it didn't hurt me. Mm -hmm. And I started to realize, I'm like, so am I just making this little bubble of people that are in an MFA program or a BFA, whatever it was, that little room full of all the professors that would do your critiques? Am I just here to make them happy? Or do I truly want a purpose? Do I truly want to make myself happy? And, and I did. And, I, and as I said, I started making those connections and understanding. You know, At one point, my wife told me early on, she goes, if you're able to paint this kind of art, why aren't you doing it? Mm -hmm. And it's a painful question because you know what it is. You go to school and you, you listen. You're like trying to please this person and that person. And I remember a couple of times, like I, I went to one of my last critiques. I had this painting when I left Italy. Um, I, I came back after my, my stay in Italy. I spent three months on this thing. It was an enormous, huge figure to paint, like uh, six foot by eight foot. I mean, I came back from Rome and I was like, I'm doing everything, you know, <laughs> yeah. on the world, you know. And I thought, wow, I'm just, I'm just creating the greatest thing. I'm really going to impress all of them. And I remember putting that in a critique. And then there was another uh, class assignment that I did for somebody else that was in that critique. And it had something to do with, like, I don't know, I think it was painting little figures, naked figures all over different parts of the art building. Like I painted, like, a little figure in the ashtray or down the, uh, one of the hallways and stuff. And the one professor was like, that work is so much better than the work you're doing now like this three month old masterpiece that I thought I created that little work that was like done in 10 minutes here and there was better than that. And I'm like, what the hell am, what's going on here? You know? Mm -hmm. So I mean, that kind of left with me after I, after I left art school, that, that kind of tagged on with me for a while. And I started doing a couple paintings and I was not productive. I was unhappy. I was just, I was creating art for someone else, like some kind of like, is someone going to like me if I do this kind of stuff? And that's just so disingenuous. You know, I mean, you really need to, you need to be yourself. You know, people will know, people can tell right away if you're being a phony. 
mm-hmm. you know, and whatever that is, it does. I mean, whatever your, your, your mode of art is, your medium that you choose, you know, you gotta be yourself. And that's already like, that's most of the game, you know, if yeah. you can do that. Um, so I, I guess, you know, in, in connecting with that after school and, and then, you know, realizing that that was my purpose, that was what I felt good about. Once I started painting like that, my desire to get better at it got more and more intense. And it's, it's been a, a lifelong process now. Like I have a reason to, to create. I, I could spend the rest of my life and be happy getting better at what I'm doing right now. Um, and that's exciting. Like I love Monday mornings. I jump in this studio. I can't wait to start. I can't wait. I'll work all day long for 20 hours. And I'll get up and do it again. I mean, I can't yeah. get tired. Love it. And you've been very successful at doing what your purpose has been. And I think that's really important for artists to understand is you can go to art school and your professors can tell you, do this, change this. This is not the right way to do it. But you, if you are, like you were saying, staying true to exactly what you want, that makes you unique and allows you to be successful versus other artists who are just playing the art market game. Yeah. Yeah, very much. Um, so quick question, just out of curiosity, were your parents artsy or did they think, were they supportive of you going to school for art? I had the same parents everybody else has who's an <laughs> art student. What did your parents tell you? Were they worried? Oh, my dad's a painter, so he oh. was overjoyed that I was going <laughs> to. <too. laughs> I had the parents that were like, uh, what are you going to do with that? You know, um, my parents are both college educated. They both, my dad was a horticulture major. My mother was an English uh, major. Uh, sadly, neither of them used their degrees. My mother uh, uh, became a mom and stay-at-home mom. I don't think she ever wanted to go into the teacher unions or anything. There's always the excuse she gave. Um, my father uh, got out of school right around the Vietnam era and couldn't get a job, couldn't get you know, recruiters to the campus and anything. So um, he eventually went into construction to support us because he ended up having children, you know, a year after he got married in 72. So um, he started finding his living, you know, doing construction instead. And then years later, I ended up uh, joining him about 11 years later after I was born. Um, and I worked with him all, all those years. And you said you didn't take an art class until college? Yes. Yes, okay. I I didn't, I didn't pick up a paintbrush until I was uh, in my junior year of college. It was I was twenty years old. It was the wow. first time ever. I had never painted before that. Um, never had the chance. I mean, you know, a lot of high school art programs are, you know, like craft programs. I mean, it's not. Didn't really learn to draw. Didn't really learn anything until until college. So that was once I did. I really didn't know what kind of artist I wanted to be until. I think that I started doing painting. When I doing some figure drawing before it, I I realized I wanted to do figure work. I enjoyed that, um, and that seemed natural. But the, when I took one class in painting, I was like, "Wow, this is fantastic!" And I had to apply to the Bachelor of Fine Arts program, which was pretty competitive at the time. They said, you know, it usually took you a couple times to uh, to get in, and I got in my first try. So I thought, "Wow, I'm just." I'm fantastic. You know, I painted like three or four paintings and the first critique, the next semester, they destroyed me. Actually, <laughs> most embarrassing moment of my life. I was like, wow, I don't know anything. And 
I started doubting myself pretty hard, but, uh, well, and you have on your website or, and your YouTube. So you have a blog on your website and you have a YouTube channel that has a variety of different, um, playlists and you talk about, um, what to do when you hit rock bottom. And I love that you have a blog and you are doing YouTube channels that encourage artists or have a way for other artists to get into your mindset. And I, I do believe in tithing anything I can in my life to try to help others. I mean, just kind of the way I was brought up. But more than anything, I realized when I got out of art school, like, I mean, you're just dropped on the corner, you know, with all your stuff. And you're like, what the hell do I do with this now? Like my last week of art school, the professors took us in a room and said, uh, okay, we're going to tell you basically about how to make it as an artist. Um, you'll do 30 things and maybe get one of them to work. Uh, try to get into some shows and uh, that's about it. Try to get into a gallery. <laughs> I was like, wow, okay. So all this work and now I'm being told that. And that was really just the advice. So, so you started with that advice. This is pre-internet a couple of years before, um, we were lost, you know, totally lost. And thank goodness, you know, a few years later, the internet, I, I, in 97, I started getting involved in it. Um, so you started making some connections, meeting other artists, which is just fabulous. You can't even imagine what it was like before that. Um, being able to talk to people and kind of share information and ask for, th you know, help and stuff. And I remember asking a couple, you know, pretty heavy hitting artists that are around now, they were just starting to make their break, you know, when I was getting involved and um, asked so many of them for help. And it was like, never any response, never willing to help. It was, it was, it just, you just felt like, wow, I'm just, this is meaningless. This is, uh, you know, what, what the hell am I going to do with this? Um, and it really, really hurt. And I thought to myself, I said, you know what? Okay. Like I always had to, I'm going to have to, my wife and I, she's my only real support I've ever had. We're going to just pick up. We're going to figure this out ourselves. But someday if I ever get down that road, I'm not going to be that guy. I'm not going to be that same person. It's like, I worked so hard for this. I'm not telling you, I'm not telling yeah. you anything. You know, you go find it out yourself. Um, cause I've still heard that even in some of the connections I've made in the last year and some interviews, I get off the phone with some of these people and they said, listen, I'm really glad that you've been so transparent about this because you wouldn't believe how many artists I interview and that they start revealing about some of the secrets that they've, uh, divulged throughout the interview. They'll literally ask for that information to be stricken from the interview, like edited it out. And I'm like, wow, that is such garbage. You know, I mean. I work with people from around the world. I teach, I consult. I mean, I've got people that I've taught from China, people, you know, I have a student tomorrow morning from Switzerland, um, Cyprus, all across the United States, Canada, everywhere, South America. You, we wouldn't believe how common everybody's problems are. They're all the same. It doesn't matter how young or how old. And all they want to do is be listened to. I mean, why can't people just be real? Everybody's talking about compassion. Have you ever been in a point in your life where you were going to give up on art or you were just done with it when you felt so discouraged? Yes, many times. I, uh, I would say especially, you know, there's different plateaus you hit in your life. You know, you, you get a little success in the beginning, you start to feel good, and then something happens, you know. Um, there were many times early on when I really didn't know 
enough about myself. Like you really, you find out a lot about yourself while you're working. Uh, early on, it's just very frustrating because you're just like, I just want a shot. Just somebody give me a shot. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it, it builds, you know, you just gotta, you gotta keep firing and keep learning about yourself. Like I couldn't even write a real artist statement for myself until many years in my career. I'm like, who the hell am I? I know who I am now. I can explain that person easy now. But when you're when you're just starting out, you're like, who the hell am I? You're trying to adopt somebody else's experiences, but you have none. Uh, so take me back. So you you graduate and you're trying to figure out what you want to do. Where's the timeline and how you start becoming successful and you start getting into your groove? I um, I got out. And I realized that uh, obviously I couldn't pay my bills with my art career that hadn't even started. Um, so I thought, well, I'll find an art-related profession. And it took me a little while. Early on, I had to go back and do a little bit of construction just because I had that experience. I, I could run a crew of people. And, um, you know, I was young, but I had a lot of experience. I had started from the time I was like nine. <laughs> so... Um, I eventually got into some graphic design, doing some uh, graphic design art, and uh, that was good. I got into a couple positions where they were kind of teaching you on the jo on the job. So I kind of pushed my way in. I had a little bit of experience, kind of over exaggerated that little experience, so I could get in the door. But I was really willing to learn. So I was like a sponge with all of it. So I just learned everything I needed to do and more, and became good at that. So, and that really helped later on because, you know, there's so many parts of my life where I had to learn something I didn't know. And that job became something that I use today. You know, like my construction experience, I build custom frames, huge frames for some of these big commissions. Uh, graphic design work, I can build a website, I can market myself, I can do my own branding. Um, so that's, pick, pick anything, you know, don't feel bad about it. Have your art career on the, on the stove simmering, you know, and do that work consistently through. I would work from get up at six in the morning, go to a job, come home at like, you know, four or five, have dinner and stuff. And I would work until two o'clock in the morning and I would get up again at six and start the whole thing over. So I had a business running while I was working for somebody else. And I would take, instead of all, you know, Everybody at the office and stuff would go out to lunch and stuff. I'd stay uh, back at the office and just work on my stuff. Or if I couldn't work in the office, I'd literally go out into the parking lot. <laughs> I remember some commissions I literally painted on my steering wheel. Like I would just set the work there and work, you know, in mm -hmm. that half hour, an hour, wherever it was. I, I believed it at that much. I was not, everybody was there to work and I, I have another blog out there that it's something like 10 things to do when you want to leave your job something like that I wrote uh, last year but it talks about that you know using their time I would use you know cell phone when this in 2008 came around um, I had the first iPhone in every generation from then I'd be sitting there all day like if I, I could sneak down the hall like on the way to break I'd be putting posts up you know i'd sneak away into a hallway or whatever it was or um you know before work after work i mean i was constantly keeping an operation there that wasn't there mm -hmm. and, and and while you know the job wanted me to be there my mind was somewhere else i i was like i'm 
I'm not here to be the best employee. I'm here to be good enough so you don't, I'm going to do my job effectively. I'm going to be a good, you know, employee, but I'm not giving it my soul. No way. Have you found it difficult to kind of balance the art business side of things and the going in the studio and creating artwork? Oh, like sure. Art? Sure. It, it, it can be very difficult. And uh, on top of that, I balance out being a husband and being a father. My wife is here with me all day, every day. So I have a very close relationship with her. I love spending time with her. I love working out with her, walking out, walking with her, cooking with her. Like we spend a lot of time. And I have my kids too that, you know, I want to be a good presence to them um, and help them when they need me. So I have that. And then I have, I teach a lot here. I have two days where I teach almost throughout the entire day, people from everywhere around the world. Um, so then I also have studio time and I have marketing time. So I have to kind of balance that back and forth in a way that allows me to get a lot of work done, but keeps me valid out there and a good presence. So you kind of have to do a lot of research about, you know, dealing with social media, dealing with websites, how to put out your information in a way that's going to be effective. So that the little bit of time that you can spend on is going to be effective. I have an apprentice that I'm working with. Uh, she's fantastic. But at this point, her, her career, she's building up her portfolio. That's the most important thing for her. She's learning how to paint and getting better with each painting. She needs to paint 10 paintings like the last really great painting she did. You know, just keep producing. But as you get more into your groove, you start understanding what kind of art you're creating. Um, I almost had this motto where it was 50-50. 50% of your time painting, 50% of your time marketing. Uh, so I did want to ask you about your Dante's Inferno project because it's very interesting. Can you talk a little bit about that project? Um, <clears throat> I began, uh, well, I, I considered this concept maybe about uh, 20 years ago when I was just starting out. Um, at the time, I didn't have the know, know like, what I needed to do to create it. I didn't understand how to paint as well at that point. Didn't know my materials as well. You know, it was, it was just a lot. And um, I, I did a few large commissions in 2014 that, that involved similar subject matter. And it kind of pushed me to think about the project again. And I said, well, you know, wouldn't it be neat to really bring this story to life? But, but I mean larger than life. You know, the kind of work that I saw when I was in Italy I thought to myself, I'm like, you know, today, where are the Michelangelo's? Where are the Raphael's? You know, where, where are those projects? Where are the damn Sistine Chapel, the, the Sistine Chapel, uh, you know, commissions? Where, where is that art today? You know, you see a lot of art that looks really good on the top of a, of a sofa or something like that. But I mean, I wanted to create big stuff and, I thought, wouldn't it be great to create something so large that, that literally this story came to life around us? And uh, so I, I conceived of the idea that, you know, it was going to have to be big if it was going to be created. And then I came up with 40 panels based on uh, the cantos that are in just the Inferno at this point. And um, I started throwing around the idea. And I've, I've read, uh, read the poem, but I thought, there's no way that I'm going to be able to understand this to the level I want to understand it. I want this art to not be my interpretation of Dante's. I want it to be an accurate representation of it. So I thought this has to be 
it's a bigger project than me. I'm, this is way bigger than anything I could ever do. So I started looking into people to, to maybe be um, a collaborator for the project, somebody who's an expert. And uh, I got a few people uh, that had, you know, suggested uh, the particular person I'm working with, uh, Dr. Uh, Christopher Kleinhens from, uh, he taught for about four decades uh, at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. And the man is brilliant. And uh, not only is he brilliant, but he is somebody who's been incredibly kind to me. Um, very supportive. I mean, he could look at me and go, oh, you're just a kid. And what the hell do you know? <laughs> yeah, but he, he was very, very kind, uh, very supportive. He's written like, I don't even know, at least a dozen books on the subject. I mean, he's a brilliant man. He's, I'll never understand this to that level. So it was great. So we would talk, you know, on the phone and via online back and forth. And we've kind of come up with this concept. And then eventually what I'm going to do is, is after I painted all these, uh, we're going to do a book together. So he'll write the book. I will use the, these images for illustrations um, and we'll release that together. Um, but my goal is to have these in and to do a large show thinking, you know, something enormous because, you know, each painting is four foot by five foot. So, you just add those. If they were to be back to back in a line, that's 160 feet of painting. Oh, you know, that's more than, <laughs> yeah, more than half a football field. Uh, so that's that's intense. You know, with frames on them and everything else, you need a large size museum to handle it, and it could be one of the greatest representations of the story ever. And that's the kind of goals that I want to set for myself at this point in my career. I want to continue to, to push the gamut of what's what's possible. And what's great is that, you know, I'm looking at the story and a lot of the illustrations you see from uh, Dante's Inferno tends to be like Gustave Doré's, um, you know, small uh, drawings on, on those. Um, everything's black and white, compartmentalized. Um, but when you make them this large, like they have personalities, they have emotions, just like my all my work does. It's, I want my work always to be very emotional, very honest and so in, in trying to create these compositions I literally have to talk to him and say you know this part of the story what are they thinking what are they feeling so that's the challenge so between the two of us we're figuring that out but it's it's a it's a lot of work <laughs> I am painting panel uh, nine uh, right now in the corner over here and I have 10 11 and 12 right next to them so out of 40 okay I, I've, I've been painting them now since uh, late 2016. Um, I did have a lot of funding in the beginning for the project. Um, I'm kind of, the last uh, year or two has been less, so I've had to go back to doing a lot of commission work too to keep everything going and supporting the, the material end of the project and stuff. So while I'm bringing in a lot of work, that's taking time away from that. But... I will finish it, you know, one way or another. It's it's still, I mean, I've I've done some enormous projects here in the studio this year, and uh, so it's it, it 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 informs me that this is all, it's all coming. It's all you know, it's time. It's gonna complete. Uh, I'll be able to complete the project, but it's it's a lot of work, real lot of work. So, and you have a couple ways of um, how people can support the project if they wanted to right? Um, yep. so they can purchase a piece 
in mm -hmm. the work uh, or the series. Um, you have a Patreon that people yep. can donate to or join. Yep. Um, so if people are interested in getting more information, would you suggest just visiting your website and reaching yep. out to you? Yeah, I, I think on the homepage, there's a link um, to that page. Um, I do have the Patreon, like you said. I have some people supporting me through that. I've had some investors come and actually purchase a few of the panels um, before the series is even over right now, uh, which is great because you know I'm sure once they are exhibited and everything else, uh, the value of everything is 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 really looking good. Um, and then there, I, I've also been selling some preliminary sketches and things like that as well mm -hmm. of different characters in it. So that's been very popular too. Um, and uh, I've had some sponsorships as well from Jerry's Artorama. They've helped me with a lot of these panels. These are Illumicom panels. Um, so they've been sponsoring me through that and some paint and everything else. So that's, you know, every little bit helps. You know, it, it's it's an incredibly expensive project. Just the, just the panels alone to get 40 of these panels would be about $12,000. Holy so, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot. I mean, can you imagine the paints and materials, uh, you know, brushes and mediums? Uh, it's, it's astronomical, but it's going to leave something big behind. You know, like it's, that'll be a kind of a career, you know, you, something you might be known for. You know I mean, mm -hmm. so that's, that's a completely higher expectation than I would have ever understood mm -hmm. years ago. Is there a reason why you chose Dante's Inferno? Infer Inferno? Oh my gosh. I, <laughs> uh, I, I think for me, um, it was kind of natural in the end. I never really thought about it um, until I did a few pieces before it. I've done a lot of, um, you know, Fall of the Damned kind of paintings. I used to do things like that when I was just starting out. Um, did a lot of early, you know, Christian art and stuff like that. And I do a lot of mythological art as well. And when you look at how this poem was created 700 years ago, like the early conceptions of that environment are very much a, a blend of those two worlds. Um, you have parts of the Inferno where the Minotaur is in. You have uh, centaurs in part of it. You have um, <clears throat> other religious imagery in there. You have, uh, you know, um, Brutus and Cassius, you know, like, I mean, and Judas in it. I mean, there's... There's all these, you know, historical, mythological, religious references that are in this world. And it's, it's fabulous. I mean, it's, it's so, I don't think anything more vivid has been created and, and, you know, 700 years ago, no less. So what I'm trying to do is, is make it very true to what the original intention was of it. Again, I could, you know, I could paint you know, Virgil and Dante wearing Adidas track suits and, you know, make a modern version. So I don't care to, I want, I want to create something very classically informed, you know, make it true to the story. And, uh, um, I don't know, it, it's an incredible challenge, you know, I mean, try creating a world. You, you literally have to, I, I literally had to make parts of the props, like, you know, the, the, the outfit that Dante has and like finding ways to illustrate this and make it real it's like you almost feel like a like a movie uh a, a director you know yeah. i mean it's incredibly hard each each painting is an incredibly hard thing you know and then can you imagine trying to do 40 of them you know it's like one you, you can't even allow one to be a masterpiece every one has to be damn good so 
So that's, yeah, that's the same quality of yeah. uh, skill. <laughs> exactly. People are going to expect that you do one good thing. Everybody's going to go, well, you dropped the ball in the fifth one. <laughs> yeah. like, happen, you know? So it's, it's incredibly tough and, but it's, it's fun. It, it keeps me focused and sharp about it. So I, I'm glad. Do you work from models that you bring in? Yes. Yes. I've, uh, I've used models for all these pieces and, and I use model for every models for everything that I do. So uh, no matter what the subject matter, there's just no better um, than having that reference. You know, you gotta, if you want to make it look real, you gotta make it, you know, the best reference you possibly can use. And uh, even trying to create parts of this world, like I'll, I'll go and photograph things while I'm out for a walk and, you know, build that world based on real world reference, but, you know, increasing the, the fantasy of it, you know, from that point, um, it's a good point of departure. So. Mm -hmm. um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about the art renewal center. Can you talk a little bit more about what that is and, and are you, very much involved with that or was it just the award that they gave you like how <clears throat> i've i've always been um i've always admired the organization um very much in the beginning you know when i left art school figurative art really wasn't that popular there was a couple people doing it when i was in art school you'd see here and there but it was generally frowned upon it's been a lot more accepted in, in the recent years um you start to see a lot more academies, a lot more ateliers, you know, um, springing up everywhere. You know, this, this knowledge is kind of coming back, being more widespread. Um, so the ARC, ARC was one of the early uh, organizations that was, they were, they were pushing that. Fred Ross, the, uh, the uh, person who had founded the organization, really was trying to bring all of this back. There was a certain part in, in art history when you know, Impressionism kind of took over. Um, there was a lot of art from that point that got just completely you know, sidelined at that point. All the ac academic art, you know, that, which was everything that was the system, was replaced. You know, the Impressionism and Expressionism and all these other uh, art, artistic styles, modern artistic styles kind of became in vogue. Um, so his initial intention was to kind of highlight all of those, you know, the pre-Raphaelites, the, you know, the French academics. Um, and I appreciated that because it was like, geez, it wasn't anywhere else. Like no one was looking at this. No one was saying, yes, this is great art. You know, I mean, they didn't teach it when I was in art school in art history class. It was like art history, you know, began and ended here. You know, I mean, it was like, from the time Monet came around, nothing else was around, you know? <laughs> like, you know, so that kind of sucked because I, you know, here I got an art history minor. I wanted to double major at one point, but I wanted to graduate too. Um, so I didn't follow along with it, but I, I graduated art school without even knowing about a lot of these artists. And when I became introduced to a lot of them, it just blew my mind. I was like, these were things that I didn't know were possible. You know, there's... Do you have a favorite artist from that time or actually any of the classical periods that you're just like, this is the artist that is amazing? Caravaggio. Absolutely. Like beginning and end. Um, definitely. 
it um i was able to i mean from the very first art history class i saw i think it was a calling of saint matthew or whatever it was and i was like wow like who is this guy mm-hmm. and um a year and a half later i got as i said to live in italy for a semester and study and i saw 12 of his paintings while i was there um there's a couple of them I had to do on days off from school there. I literally had to take a train to some obscure church somewhere to see a couple of these. I think it was the crucifixion of uh, St. Peter and the uh, conversion of St. Paul. Two enormous, beautiful paintings. And it was in this small chapel. Like, I didn't even know I had the right place. And and I just showed up in this 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 small area. And I think you had to put uh, the equivalent of a quarter in t- to have the, the scene lit for like five minutes. <laughs> so I sat there in the pew and I just said every five minutes I'd go up and put another quarter. Oh my <laughs> gosh. I with it for like an hour or two. And I was... You can definitely see at least his ability um, with the figures, to be honest, and the amazing technique that he had with light, like the dramatic lighting. I definitely see it within your work. You had a couple pieces I was looking at where it was... I can't remember the title, but she had like this glowing orb crown thing on her head. Yeah. It was just so beautiful because it looked like it was, you know, actually glowing. And I'm, it's amazing <laughs> Thank to you. have Thank that you. ability to make something look so kind of like you can awesome. reach out and touch it. I have one more follow-up question before I take up too much of your time. Sure. Um, so like I said at the very beginning, like I'm very different than you are as far as my art practice. Do you have um, someone that is working more uh, on the conceptual side that you appreciate their artwork? Like I know for me, your work is different, but there's such an appreciation for what you do and your technique and your ability, even though we're so different. Like I, my father, I said, is a painter and he's a technical beautiful painter and he always thinks that because my artwork is so different that I don't consider him an artist I I can't explain to him like no no just because I'm doing something so incredibly different than what you're doing does not mean that I think you're not an artist so I was wondering <laughs> if there's anyone that you follow or that you like that is completely different than what you're doing oh that's a tough tough question <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there there have been a number. I mean, you know, going to art school in general. I mean, I didn't see much that was in my my realm. You know, I, I more had to identify with that after school. So a lot of the people, even in the painting program I was with, were were performance artists based and things like that, and uh, conceptual in that that aspect as well. And uh, um, there there are people that I enjoy. You know, here and there, it's I'm kind of I wouldn't say I'm stuck, but more than anything, like I said, I, I'm kind of drawing from the past more than anything in my art. Um, there's there's modern work that I that I like um, here and there. I mean, it's it would be more from a piece by piece kind of standpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think for me, you know, I would say just as a catch-all, it, it really doesn't matter what style it is. It doesn't matter, you know, what medium it is. It could be architecture. It could be, you know. Um, sculpture or anything else i i like anything that really has a great impact a great dramatic impact i I like i like craft in whatever it is 
you know, if you're going to put the time in the craft and actually make something that, that, that seems like you really put effort into it, like I'm not into art that if you just, you know, take some garbage you found from outside and you throw it into a gallery that you say, Oh, that's, that's a great effort. I, I, to me, you know, everybody has their own preferences. I don't say that anybody can't like that, but for me, it, I go, that to me doesn't have the value of putting hard work into something. You can make a modern sculpture that, you know, isn't figurative, isn't anything, but you put effort into it and, and you present it and, you know, do it in a way that shows class, shows intention. Um, I always appreciate it. You know, I, I, I know how hard it is to do things that I don't know how to do. You know, I mean, there's, there's, I can appreciate what you're doing. I can appreciate what a sculptor does, what a, you know, a musician can do or a performance artist can do that I have no ability to do. I, I've seen some incredible, you know, installations and stuff that are just, you know, blow my mind. I go, wow, that's fantastic. Like, I, I, I like the aspe aspect of effort. Uh, well, thank you so much for uh, sharing all your insight and taking the time to interview with me. I really appreciate it. What's your website so people are looking for you? It's my full name.com. So it's Eric R. Music. It's E-R-I-C-A-R-M-U-S-I-K.com. And I'm on there. I'm on Pinterest, uh, Facebook, everything you could possibly imagine. Look me up anywhere. I usually will respond uh, to messages and stuff. Uh, I try to, it's, it's getting a little more difficult lately, but uh, you know, I, I try to try to keep up with people. So, um, and thank you so much everyone for listening. As always, you can find our Instagram page, miss art world podcast. And we have our website, the art world um, So, Remember to keep following us and as always, love you guys. Take care.